Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tambi. I'm Erin. And this is our seventh time podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be talking about season 11, episode 18 of Seventh Heaven. The title is Inked. The IMDb user synopsis is T Bone feels a bit insecure to learn the only thing stopping Ruthie from having her tattoo with his name removed by a doctor is lack of money, while her parents firmly refuse to help pay and she is reluctant to take a job for her skin integrity. When T-Bone generously offers to pay, feeling somehow responsible, both Camden parents are lividly disgusted she dares agreeing and taking money he needs to get into college and order her to take a job immediately to pay every cent alone. Lucy and Kevin find the church of her potential own parish, Crossroads, is inside the bar, annex, annex, grocery store, and school. There's about 27 inhabitants, and Kevin would be offered the sheriff's star, appealing to the ex-cop. The Asian doctor who runs the complex come church explains the parish gets about 100 worshipers from four churchless counties and different denominations. A town law stipulates residents must study and work there. All children are fostered because their real parents are in prison. The reverend's couple should act as their group parents. Mac blurts out to Haley that Martin has no game that day, so she makes him admit his white lie in order to have a day off and hoped to spend it with Jane, reproaching Martin to dodge babysitting their baby son Aaron as if her weeks of leisure didn't count. Jane is not amused to learn Margaret helps Mac writing his English assignment and is obviously romantically interested in the cute kid. Eric tells Margaret she should concentrate on going to college. Mac agrees and declares like liking her. Kevin is eager to move to the challenging parish. Lucy feels it's an awfully big one to chew. The locals hope they move in. Eric also assures T-Bone he is not at all obliged to stay with selfish Ruthie unless he really wants, let alone take any blame for her own stupidity. Okay, number one, Haley is not her name, but it was also misspelled. Um, So no points to this person. Also, um, I'm sorry, wait, there was... There was a lot there. It was a lot of stuff. Complex uh, church. This is, yeah, that too. But, um, all right. Well, whatever. Um, so, oh yeah. The, the, again, the parenting referred to as babysitting. So, what's your first impression of this episode? Um, I think it's the same as the last. Like yeah. we've just been saying, it's like these, this this filler of all these people. Yeah, kind of just waiting for it to end <laughs> at this point. Um, I did, I will say that I really did like that Ruthie got, I really like when Ruthie gets put put in her place. I feel like Ruthie has basically filled the spot that Lucy used to have when Lucy was a teenager on the show, which I think speaks more to the fact that the writing does not know how to write teenage girls more so than it is that, like, no, but I think the characters are unlikable. But the thing is, like, Lucy would get away with it because everybody was like, she's just trying to do what's best for everyone, but, like, everyone always like Ruthie does it in a more selfish way which I think is I don't know there are differences in their characters no they, there for are sure. but I I'm saying they don't know how to write like let's look at the teenage girls that they've had on, on this show Mary Lucy and Ruthie right, right. Mary they completely just, ruined just character assassination yeah. um Lucy is I know people liked Lucy like when we watched it, but I've never, I've never gotten that kind of like. I feel like you have in later seasons, but like warmed up to. Well, her. that's when she wasn't a teenager when right. she became when she grew up. Right. And now Ruthie was a character that we liked when she was younger, and now Ruthie's a teenager, and they've created this like, like this caricature of what a teenage girl is. Right. And I don't think that's 
I think that it says more about the writing than it does the characters. Right. They're just like, this is what teenage girls are. They're self-absorbed and don't think about anything with themselves. And I'm like, but also I think that it makes sense that Ruthie would become that. Oh, Because yeah. she was always kind of, like, mischievous and scheming and would, like, figure out how to get people to do things for her without, like, basically always just trying mm-hmm. to get people to do stuff for her. So I think it's, like, still sort of in character. It's just more extreme. But... So let's get started. Uh, we're actually going to talk about Ruthie last, but uh, in the no, cold... No, we're not, but all right. <laughs> well, I thought we were talking about the Revenant Annie last. Well, they're, we'll they're, related, we they're related it's to Ruthie. The same, yeah. it, it's the same storyline. All right, so, yeah, Lucy and this new job. This this is the cold open, yes. right? It starts with Lucy and Kevin driving in a, like, Chrysler Sebring convertible with the top down. So, But they roll up to, like, the side of the road restaurant, bar, gas air, station thing, and they're like the song that's playing on the radio. It's not playing um, on the actual episode because Amazon, I guess Amazon doesn't have the rights. But it's supposed to be Beverly Mitchell's song from her country album. album. Her country album. Um, and like I don't know. I think they think they're lost, but then they double check the address and they're like, "Oh, this is what we're looking for." And they are looking for the place where Lucy got this job new job offer. offer. So we get introduced to Doctor Khan, who is. Um, the Asian doctor yeah. and of the cum complex. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's this bar gas station, as Aaron said, and he is only here once a week out of the month, or one week out of every month. He's a doctor there. But basically, this entire town is centered in this kind of, like, small complex area. And um, it's a church that's in a bar, but they don't serve alcohol during the service. Unless- Except for there during the communion I don't know. It's and, yeah, it's a very, like, Lucy's like, this doesn't seem like where I want to be, you know, be a minister. But that's where we, that's that's the cold open. So we're going to focus on this. We are intro- introduced to what we're assuming are the town elders. Um, it's just, like, the people in the town, because we learned that this town only has 27 people at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there are, like, there are, like, these four people who come and basically try to pressure Lucy and Kevin into taking the job at this parish and like I don't know Lucy doesn't want to because she's like this is so small and also they learn about this law that requires them to like go to school and work and also be foster parents so um Lucy is uncertain but like Kevin's all about it and then I think we're supposed to get the idea that Lucy starts to change her mind when she finds out that the people from the other counties come to church there because I think it was like supposed to be this like ego thing where like Lucy wants to be preaching to a large group of people because she has so much good stuff to say. Um, as the synopsis tells us, uh, Kevin basically gets charmed into it because they offer him the sheriff's position because it won't be hard to take care of 27 people or like, you know, law enforcement for 27 people. And he'll have a position of power in the town. But Lucy's kind of like, but you're happy being a stay-at-home dad, right? And Kevin's like, I wouldn't mind going back to work. Um, and so we're kind of at this like crossroads at like, what, are, what wow. is Lucy going to do? Wow. <laughs> what is Lucy going to do? Is she going to, uh, make the decision to come here or not? Um, it is a strange, so apparently it's all, it's all the town elders and the town children are all foster. But like, where did the children come from? I'm so confused. Because, they're, yeah. They're like, well, well, we know that the parents are in prison. Yeah. So like, they're the foster. They're the children. Right. But they were like all of the children in the town are so like, it, 
are, are there only 27 people in this town because all of the parents have gone to prison and like these are the people that are left? I think what it actually is is like people, they're, they're, these are kids from all over probably the area. Yeah. And so like they all come to this place because it's kind of like an enhanced group home. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah. It's, like it's not like these are the people in the town and their parents who lived in this town went to jail. Yeah. I think it's. They lived in some other part of California. Their parents lived and went to jail, and they don't have. They couldn't like stay at where they were, so then they came to this town. But it sounds like this is like a rotating basis. It's not even like the same foster. F- like this is not how this works. <laughs> but it's not, okay. it's definitely like it's you, you, there's it's not, it's past the suspension of disbelief. It's, it's like just a commu- bullshit. It's like a commune. Yeah. It's a, like which it's a cult. It's a cult. It's um yeah. It's whatever. So we don't know if they're going to take it. It kind of seems like they might take it because Kevin really, really loves it. And it's like completely out of the ordinary. But, but there like is no autonomy yeah. in this place. They're like, everybody has to go to school. Or work. Everybody has work. to work. Everybody has to foster the children. They're like, you move there. And that's why there's only 27 people there, I'm sure. Yeah, that's exactly these, what Lucy says. There are all those rules yeah. uh, about all the shit you have to do and can't do. So again, this is not, it's a cult. <laughs> So we're going to get to, I guess, the teenage, like, early 20 crowd now. Um, so... So, I don't know. Sandy is at the promenade at the movie theater, and she's talking to Mac. She's alone, or she's got the she baby. She has the baby. She's the, we got the baby. And she's like, does Martin have a game today? I think he lied to me about having a game, so he wouldn't have to, like, babysit Aaron. But I don't know how this all plays into the fact that, I guess... So... with. I don't know, Mac's like, I don't know what's going on, or something. Mac, basically, Sandy comes in, she's like, oh, I have Martin, I have Aaron for the day, da-da-da-da, and Mac kind of lets it slip that that doesn't make sense, because Martin has the day off, he doesn't oh, have a game. Okay. Yeah. And what's happening is, Martin's actually in town to see Jane on a date. Right, and I don't understand how he, like, synced this up and thought that Sandy wasn't going to be... Because the whole plan, they say that, oh, well, Sandy was supposed to be on her way back to wherever it is that she lives and goes to school, because she, like, stays overnight, I guess, one night a week in Glen Oak, and then the next day she drives, like, she does the Mm -hmm. class, and then Mm -hmm. she drives back to wherever she lives. Um, and I guess, like, that's what we learned that Martin was counting on. But Sandy has been in Glen Oak, so... Also, we know that Martin knows that Sandy's, like, seeing this Dr. Sanderson now who lives in Glen Oak, so that wasn't really a safe bet, although we're supposed to believe that Martin doesn't know about Dr. Sanderson, Mm -hmm. even though he saw them on their first date. But anyway, so yeah, he gets caught at the promenade because Sandy hangs around waiting for him to turn up when she finds out there was no baseball game. Um, and they have a similar exchange to the one that occurred the first time when Martin tried to go out on a date with Jane in which Sandy is like, hey, this really is, because Martin is like, well, I, you know, I had baseball yesterday, and then I spent all my free time, like, babysitting Aaron and going to school and playing baseball, and I just wanted to have, like, a day off, and then Sandy kind of throws that back in his face where she's like, right, I also would like time off because I take care of the baby 24-7 when you do not have the baby, and I also have to go to school, and I also have to work, so um, this is not very fair to me. You're being kind of an asshole. Martin kind of throws this back in her face again because he's like, why are you so up in my business about what I'm doing with Jane or without Jane if you are so happy in your own life and what's happening with Dr. Sanderson? Which has nothing to do with the fact that, like... He's not being a good parent. Right, like, she doesn't want to have the baby all the time. So there's kind of this, like, underlying thing with, is Sandy happy with Dr. Sanderson? 
it, um, what's going on there, or is she like fe- have catching feelings for Martin? I hope she isn't catching, catching feelings for Martin's. I really hope not. She got over them. She had them, and then he got them, and she was over it, and then now she's now they're both over it. They should both be over it, and then they're gonna have a fake marriage, and then they didn't. Um, so Martin goes and like meets up with Jane, and they kiss a little. And no, they did. Well, they. Well, I don't know. She was like playing hard to get, but also it was stupid. No, but they did. Um, they do yeah, kiss. Yeah. Alternatively, uh, and that's like it, right? For them. Yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. Alternatively, before um, like Jane and Margaret are going to work or something, or Jane is going to work, uh, Margaret is like, "Oh, I'm staying here. I'm meeting up with Mac tonight to help him write his English lit paper." Um, Max seems to be taking a lot of English classes. I think he could be an English major. Yeah. I don't know. He has to write, like, the first chapter to a novel, and he asks Margaret to help him, and Jane is like, oh, no, don't be catching feelings for Mac. Number one, he's an idiot. Number two, he's our roommate, and he's just using you to help him do his schoolwork. And then Jane catches Mac when he's on his way home from the movie theater, and she's on her way to the Dairy Shack, and she's like, don't do this to Margaret. You're using her. And Mac is like, how do you know what I'm like, what my intentions are? And also she offered to help me. So, no, I wasn't going to say no. Uh, Mac doesn't isn't really under the uh, impression that Margaret has any feelings for him. Jane's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. We then see them working together and they've written a romance novel or like the first chapter of a romance novel together. And it's kind of setting the mood and they're about to kiss. And then Jane and the Rev walk in and, well, they do kiss, actually. They do, yeah, I was going to say, they do. And then Jane and the Rev walk in. And then, I don't know, how, like, I feel like Jane doesn't say anything because then the Rev is just like, hey, Margaret, you should go to college, too, because you're really smart, and look at this, like, work that you helped Mac with. You can go to college, and you should be doing your own schoolwork and not doing Mac's because he doesn't feel like it. And also because, uh, also just FYI, men and women living together Often, often find it hard to resist each other, but they should because they're living together. To which I say, bullshit. Well, um, but also the fact, like, that also is like a good reason for them not to get together. But it doesn't seem like they're heeding that the Rev's warning in that because there's like. But also, who cares? Yes. Like, I don't care yeah. about what happens with this. So, whatever. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Maybe, but because like. I think we're supposed to get the idea that both Mac and Martin are still after Jane. Well, like, Martin clearly is, but... Um, I no, feel Max, like Max yeah, says he has feelings for Margaret at this point. Oh, oh yeah. He's, that, right, I says in the synopsis, yeah. Like, yeah. he, like, likes her. Yeah, yeah which happens, so, like, in the ten minutes yeah. between Especially when he left work episode, and when he... He was like, I think Jane and I could be something. Right. Um, so, but he sees that Martin beat him out on that front, so he's just, like, settling now. I think, I guess the seven, Seventh Heaven, like, powers that be are now, like, coupling everybody together so they can have a nice happy ending for everyone. Tie everything up and everyone's gonna be with somebody. Um, Except maybe Ruthie and T-Bone. Which is what we're gonna talk about now. So basically, uh, kind of, I guess, the main plot of this episode is that Ruthie really wants her tattoo gone. But obviously it's gonna cost money and she's kind of rebelling against the fact that Annie and the Rev won't pay for it and that she needs to pay for it herself. Also, she's, uh, Annie tells her she can pay to get rid of T-Bone forever and T-Bone hears this and yeah. it's like, ah ha ha. So, T-Bone, in a, in like, because he says he feels responsible even though he shouldn't, says that he can, like, you know, like, give some money towards the cause. And, like, Annie's, like, very, like, oh, wow, what a good guy. But then Ruthie's like, oh, yeah, thanks. 
And you can pay for the whole thing. Saying, and Annie's like, no, 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 no. That's he's he's saving up for college. He's buying all of his own stuff. Don't use his money. He's and, homeless. And Ruthie kind of is like, well, you take all of Dad's money. And, and then the Rev loses his mind, and he's like, there's not enough money in the world to pay your mother for everything she does. Well, yeah, it's complete bullshit. I've, well, Ruthie's, like, blaming every single other person for her tattoo issue, even though it's all her fault, and she won't go and get a job for it. Like, right. I think Ruthie's completely in the wrong here. Oh, no, she is. Um, and she really shouldn't have brought that... Like, you don't... That's such a bullshit thing to say to your mom. Yeah. Like... You take all of pa- dad's hard-earned pa. money. Pause. <laughs> um, but I could say that's absolutely, like, a teenage thing to say. I feel like that's, like, a very, like, I don't know, a thing that, like, you know, like, kids and teenagers say stuff and they don't realize how, like, hurtful it is. and Or, like, maybe they do, but, like. They say it because they know it's going to be hurtful. Yeah, like, things that, like, adult, adults just, yeah. like, refrain from yeah. saying um, because they know how terrible it is. But, yeah, I feel like it was one of those things. But so, anyway, so, yeah, they're just, like, Ruthie has to get a job. T-Bone, don't give her any money. Uh, but basically the underlying thing of this is that Ruthie wants her his her name his name off her body. But is it just because she doesn't like the tattoo or is it because she doesn't want T-Bone anymore? And why is T-Bone so like in on getting this tattoo off? Is it because he feels like he should be obligated to be in this relationship because he is living under the same roof or does he really just really care about Ruthie? Which well, is what we were talking about. I said about this last yeah. episode yeah. and then we find out that it's because he feels obligated to be in the relationship as he tells the Rev, and then the Rev is like, don't feel that way, she's an idiot, you should probably break up with her, don't worry, you can still live here. Yeah, basically he's like, you're not in charge of somebody else's happiness, you're only in charge of your own, so if you're not happy here, then you need to get out of this relationship, it'll be way better in the long run. Um, so I guess, And that's where, that's yeah, a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's, I guess that's where we're going to leave it. Um, but this basically... This whole thing with the Rev finally being able to yell at Ruthie, because the whole thing is because of his heart, he hasn't really been doing anything strenuous to his heart or his mind or whatever. He hasn't really been able to, like, parent Ruthie or parent anyone in a way and yell at them. But this being able to yell kickstarts his ability to go be the Reverend again. So he, like, this is the rest of the episode he spends going out into town and helping people, like having a conversation with Sandy, having a conversation with Margaret, having a conversation with Mac. And, yeah, so... I don't, I don't think know. that's how health works. Well, no, it doesn't, but that's what Seventh Heaven is doing. Yeah. So what would you rate this episode? Um, two. I'm like, just mildly better than the last one. Um, I'll give this a 3.5. I, I, I Really because I like how the Rev and Annie are handling Ruthie, and especially how Rev and Annie are handling T-Bone and Ruthie. I think it could have been very easily done that they wouldn't get how, like, serious it is that T-Bone might feel trapped, and I like that they're addressing that. Yeah. Because that's something I thought we would just be talking about ourselves. In but a it's, vacuum. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know. Have we seen this with the other male house guests? Like, Robbie or... I mean, Robbie almost immediately gets told to... Leave when... To, when no, 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 no. After he, like, makes out with Lucy or whatever, Robbie, like, backs off himself because he's like, I don't want to lose my place to live. But also, that was never going to work. I don't know. I thought, like, when him and Mary were thinking of getting back together, it was like Robbie might have to leave because... Perhaps, but she wasn't, like, living there at that time. Anyway. Uh, well, like she was moving back, whatever. But like, the, yeah, it's not really been a thing before. And oh, Martin well. and Martin and Ruthie were never together. They, when they yeah, were that was just an imagined yeah. 
thing. So uh, check out our social media. You can check out the little town of Crossroads and its inhabitants um, on facebook.com slash CamdenCast. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at CamdenCastShow. You can listen to our episodes anytime you want, but new ones are posted on Wednesdays and Saturdays on Stitcher, on the iTunes Apple Podcast app, and on soundcloud.com slash CamdenCast. I am Tampi. I'm Aaron. This is CamdenCast. I know there's no